today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. But why is it, by the way, that you take the name of Jesus? Why don't you take the name of Buddha? I'm just asking. Why don't you take the name of Muhammad? When was the last time you heard somebody say, Oh, Muhammad. Come on, let's be equal opportunity blasphemers here while we're at it. Have you ever noticed how it is that when somebody even mentions or brings into the conversation the name of Jesus, it changes the whole complexion of everything? You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. The intention of your heart matters when you use Jesus in a conversation. If you're sharing the good news of Christ with someone, the conversation will change. But why then do so many use God's name in vain without effect? As Pastor J.D. will teach you today, it all comes down to the heart of the speaker. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 52 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Loving Father in heaven, we're, we're desperate for you. Many of us are having just, for some, maybe been in the midst of intense spiritual warfare. Some are just stressed and distressed and struggling under tremendous pressure. And Lord, this represents for us just a a sanctuary, really, a a time where we can just put all that aside and have you settle our hearts, focus our attention, and, and really speak into our hearts, Lord. We are hungry for your word, and really we hang on every word because your word is life. It's the word of life. It's the bread of life. And so, Lord, we want to be fed by that bread. Lord, would you minister to us? Those that need encouragement, would you encourage them? Those who just need to hear you in that still, small voice, Lord, would you speak in that still, small voice as only you can? Lord, thank you so much, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, so the two chapters that we have before us are a word fitly spoken. And by that I mean it's specific for all those who could use some good news. You know how it is when somebody approaches you or says to you, hey, I've got some good news and i got some bad news. Which one do you want to hear first? I don't know. If you're anything like me, I suspect that you are. I don't warm up to that right away because I don't really want to hear any bad news. 
I just want to hear the good news. So actually, just tell me the good news and take your bad news and go tell someone else the bad news. I want to hear the good news. (laughs) This good news is not just any ordinary good news. It's the good news. It's the good news of salvation found in the person of Jesus Christ. And as we're about to see, God, through the prophet Isaiah, is in effect announcing the coming of their Savior, their Deliverer, and their Redeemer. And I say it that way in that order for a reason, because at this point, when this prophecy is written and given to them, they need to hear the good news, because they have been in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. And they need to hear the good news that a Savior is coming. I don't know if it's possible to overstate the parallels between them then and us now. Because in a sense, we are in Babylon, in this world. And the good news is, the Savior is coming. What's the Savior coming to do? Oh, to save us. I know that's deeply profound. That's what the Savior is going to do. But not only is He going to save us, He's going to deliver us. And not only is He going to deliver us, He's going to redeem us. And that's the good news. And you have to know that when they heard this good news, that they were going to be delivered, that they were going to be saved, that they were going to be redeemed. It could not have come at a better time. And we're going to see that as we begin in chapter 52. So, you ready? Verse 1. Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion, Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city, for the uncircumcised and the unclean shall no longer come to you. Shake yourself from the dust, arise, sit down, O Jerusalem, loose yourself from the bonds of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. Right right out of the chute, first two verses. This prophecy, good news, the time has come. Loose the bonds from your neck, awake, awake. Your deliverer is coming, you're going to be delivered. This is actually yet another, we're going to see another one of these, but it's one of those dual prophecies in that it was fulfilled in part when they returned to Jerusalem after the Babylonian captivity, but this will ultimately be fulfilled yet future when Jesus comes and Jesus rules and Jesus reigns 
in the new Jerusalem. Verse 3, for thus says the Lord, you have sold yourselves for nothing. And, this is interesting, you shall be redeemed without money. Hang on to that. For thus says the Lord, verse 4, my people went down at first into Egypt to dwell there, then the Assyrian oppressed them without cause. Like, that's not okay. (laughs) What does this mean? You have sold yourselves for nothing. Well, they did this to themselves. But they're going to be redeemed, but not with money. Well, this speaks to the good news of the Savior redeeming them without cost to them, rather at great cost to Him to redeem them. And we're going to see that at the end of the chapter, about verse 13 and into chapter 53. I have to confess, and this is probably as good of a time as any, that this is a hard chapter, well really both chapters, but particularly chapter 3. It's sort of, again I'm just being open with you, it sort of forced me to get reacquainted with Jesus. Not that I'm not acquainted with Jesus, but it it really was for me in preparing to teach these chapters a much needed reminder of who Jesus is, what Jesus did, and how much Jesus loves me. It's kind of intense, and we're going to see that shortly. But, and it's, (laughs) I guess maybe in a way I'm trying to prepare you for what we're going to see here concerning Jesus. All that He would go through by taking the sins of the world upon Himself because of His love for us. Verse 5, Now therefore, what have I here, says the Lord, that my people are taken away for nothing? Those who rule over them make them wail, says the Lord, and My name is blasphemed continually every day. Therefore, verse 6, my people shall know my name. Therefore, they shall know in that day that I am he who speaks. Behold, it is I. It's almost like, God is saying, yes, they blaspheme my name, but my people will know my name. And in that day, when's that day? Oh, (laughs) we're in that day. In that day, there's a day coming. In that day, yet future. 
when they who blaspheme my name will know that I am. (laughs) It is I who speaks. I can't wait. I hope you don't misunderstand me when I say this. I know I'm greatly misunderstood every time I say this, and I do say this often, and I mean it with all my heart. I can't wait until that day when every knee will bow (laughs) and every blaspheming tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I'll take it a step further and say, and again, please hear my heart and don't misunderstand my heart when I say this. That's what keeps me sane, is knowing that that day is coming. Because again, if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, it's really hard when I hear the name of my Jesus, blasphemed every day, daily, continually. They blaspheme my name. I hate it. That's my Jesus. You're blaspheming my Jesus. There's coming a day when you will no longer blaspheme the name of my Jesus. You know how it is when I mean, certainly, there's no shortage of foul, vile language. I mean, it's commonplace, isn't it? But when somebody takes the name of Jesus and blasphemes the name of Jesus, that's not okay. You can say those other words, I get it. You need Jesus. But why is it, by the way, that you take the name of Jesus? Why don't you take the name of Buddha? I'm just asking. Why don't you take the name of Muhammad? When was the last time you heard somebody say, Oh, Muhammad, come on, let's be equal opportunity blasphemers here while we're at it. Have you ever noticed how it is that when somebody even mentions or brings into the conversation the name of Jesus, it changes the whole complexion of everything. You know, early on when I started in the business world, I was in sales, and I was told that because it was straight commission, that you might want to come up with a easier name to remember, because when the customer comes in, they're going to ask for you, and they need to know your name, and they're going to ask for you so that you can get credit for the sale. Because, you know, I'm looking at your name, and Wahid Fayez Farag, Osama Bin Laden, Mohammed, you know, I mean... We need to do something with the name. So I said, okay, that's cool. I was new in the Lord. I thought, okay, I'm going to come up with a nickname. So I came up with JD. In fact, I made it a legal AKA. It's actually a legal name. JD is a legal AKA, also known as. So 
And I chose JD because I wanted to have the opportunity when somebody asked me, hey, what does JD stand for? Jack Daniels? <laughs> I could say, no, not exactly. It stands for Jesus Disciple. And I mean, air stops. And usually it's preceded with something to the effect of, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, excuse my French. Listen, brother, that was not French. <laughs> All of a sudden now, it, everything changes. Why? Because I have just introduced into that conversation the name above all names, the only name given among men whereby we must be saved. I have just said the name of the Savior of the world. His name is Jesus. And you're blaspheming Jesus. And the reason you're using the name of Jesus that way is because Jesus is God. I assure you, if Buddha or Muhammad was God, you would use their name. But they're not God. They're not the Savior. That's why you're, I'm not angry. It might seem like I am. I'm, I'm a, this is a, I need to go to the Lord with this, but it just, I mean, does it not just, when somebody says the name of Jesus that way to you or around you, what does that do to you? Does it upset you? It should. That's what Isaiah is saying here. That's what God through the prophet Isaiah is saying here. Yeah, they blaspheme my name continually. Every day, but there's coming a day, oh, they will blaspheme no more. And we're going to see that in a moment here as well. Can't wait. So let's move on. Verse 7, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Oh, that is good news. Well, this is interesting. Why feet? I've shared very candidly again, and I don't like feet. I'm sorry. I don't even like my own feet, so please don't, you know, I just, there's something, well, you have to understand, in the Middle Eastern culture to this day, the feet are considered the most, un, I mean, the, first of all, they're the dirtiest part of the body, especially in that culture in that day, which is why, by the way, they would wash the feet of a guest before entering the home, which is why, by the way, we have the account in the gospel when Jesus says to them, listen, you didn't even bother to wash my feet when I came here. She's washing my feet with her tears. Shame on you. It was a cultural dynamic to wash the feet. But here we're reading about the feet being beautiful. Well, <laughs> I realize this is a, a well-known and often quoted verse, but the truth of the matter is the feet which are not the most beautiful part of the body, are such 
when they carry or bring the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. Those feet are beautiful because of what those feet bring. How beautiful are the feet? Now we see a sort of a parallel to this in Ephesians chapter 6, very well-known passage concerning the spiritual armor, the shoes of readiness with the gospel of peace, the feet shod, the feet. Very important and very beautiful, those feet upon the mountains, because those feet are bringing and carrying good news. What's the good news? Because I could use some good news right now. Oh, peace, glad tidings, good things, salvation, (laughs) good news. Where do I sign? You don't have to. He already signed for you when He died for you. Maybe if you don't hear anything else that I say tonight, please hear this. The good news is, is that Jesus is coming to take us out of this evil world, just like He came to take them out of captivity in Babylon. That's the good news. Jesus is coming, and He brings with Him salvation. This is a proclamation of salvation. Verse 8, your watchmen, this is interesting, watchmen, you know the watchmen on the wall, the ones that are commissioned and commanded to keep watch and warn the people of any coming threats, Your watchmen shall lift up their voices. With their voices they shall sing together, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord brings back Zion. Break forth into joy, verse 9. Sing together, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted His people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord, verse 10, has made bare His holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Oh, this is again as poetic as it is prophetic. This Making bare of one's arm is actually a Hebrew idiom which carries with it the idea of rolling up one's arm sleeves, bearing the arm to get to work. This is the work that God is going to do. Rejoice, break forth and sing together. Your Redeemer is coming. The watchmen are going to lift up their voices. I I have to say, I think I'd be grossly remiss if I didn't, that verse 8, where it says, for they shall see eye to eye, that kind of bothers me a little bit, because the inference is, is that the watchmen did not see eye to eye prior. They're going to see eye to eye. Oh, that's interesting. I'm going to leave that one right there and move on to verse 11. 
Depart, depart, go out from there, touch no unclean thing. Go out from the midst of her, be clean, you who bear the vessels of the Lord. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. We hope you continue to be encouraged as you learn some good things from the book of Isaiah. Did you realize that there are 39 chapters in Isaiah that address judgment and 27 chapters that point to God's salvation? How fascinating that this book relates to 39 books of the Old Testament, much about judgment of sin, and 27 books of the New Testament, pointing to Jesus as God's salvation for the world. Isaiah is yet another example of how God interweaves the old with the new, and how prophecies from old point to fulfillment of that later. Are you seeing the connections that God has written into these pages of Isaiah? If you're wanting to hear this message again or more like it, you can find them at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can learn more about the church this ministry is supported by, Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. If you're not already plugged into a local church, we invite you to be part of our church family. If you're in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love for you to come visit us on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times and directions on our website. Again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. We're so glad you tuned in today to learn from the book of Isaiah. We look forward to the next edition with Pastor J.D. and the things that God has put on his heart to share from this prophetic book. Thanks again for listening today to In Spirit and Truth. Morning.